been here for years Ordained by my peers Putting suckers in sears Wearing bow ties for years Tanked up in tears Roy Taylor and beers Breaking shots Watering the crops Cleaning the I'm a part of the problem with the PCA. Uh, and I, I need to continue to grow in grace and in humility um, so that I'm, I'm not as much of a problem. Putting suckers in seals, wearing bow ties for years, tank top in tears, Ron Taylor and beers, I heart PCA. Cause the PCA courts are always hard. You come talking that trash. Welcome to iHeartPCA. This is our podcast where we're talking about everything that's good and delightful and beautiful about the PCA. We are not talking about all the other things that we could possibly scratch. We are itching the good. I'm Doug Servan. I am calling in here from Birmingham, Alabama. Still, I've been here a long time in podcast time. And Justin is calling in from his usual regular couch. It's true. Which the is brown where, couch. Where, where are you, Justin? The brown couch. Mm-hmm. Sitting on the brown leather couch in my office. Ish. Great. And what are you, what's, how's today been for you? It's been wonderful, Doug. Good. I got a question. Yeah. The the differentiation between game and sport and what things are debatable in the in-between category. Like is... Froth, a game or a sport? Frisbee golf. <laughs> Is it called froth? That's what George Costanza calls it. Froth. Okay, yeah. Right. That would be one or like uh, billiards. Correct. I game. Think game. Yeah. Is darts is a game. Game. Okay. Cheerleading. <laughs> Neither. No, it's a sport. That's a sport. Yeah. What about bowling? Uh, game. You think it's a sport? I don't know. I don't think it's. I don't think it's a sport. But there are some that are like ah, a little trickier. You love games. You're a game guy. I do love games. You like you've been to like the game hall of fame and. Like you also go to like game tournaments, like where they play a bunch of different games with people. Conventions, not tournaments. Yeah, game conventions. Yeah. It's not nerdy. It's not nerdy. Not at all. That's that's what the nerd said. Okay, so stick that in there. And we're gonna come back to this very question, right? But until then, I want to bring in our esteemed guest, the one, the only very good friend of ours. Sometimes we have people that we don't know. Sometimes one of us doesn't know one of the people. This time we know both of us know this person. Travis Scott. Let's hear for Travis Scott, everybody. Yeah, Travis. Well, thanks. I, I actually don't know that you can say I'm, I'm the one and the only. Uh, there, there's another Travis the Scott. that makes Travis Scott I know. 
<laughs> well, thanks. Thanks for that, Doug. Thanks Travis, for where are you me. calling in from? What are you doing today? What's going on in your part of the universe right now? Uh, calling in from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where I pastor Grace and Peace uh, Presbyterian Church. It's a, it's a kind of gloomy, winterish day in Pittsburgh, and it's a Friday afternoon, which means, like most Friday afternoons, I'm about three days behind on my sermon. Mm. Ooh, do you need help? You want us to help you in real time on the podcast? But it, the, the people will hear it later. That's true. I, I I don't know if I want to give you all that credit. I'll just uh, all right. well we'll talk offline. Hey Justin, have you ever been to Pittsburgh? I have been to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yeah. What do you think about it? Uh, well, I hate the Steelers, so it's it's poison for that. But otherwise, I really really love the town. It's a beautiful, cool town. So um, I took my son to visit Grove City College last year, and we spent the day one of our days in Pittsburgh and it was a it was like a winter day but it was like it was like this time of year actually yeah it snowed a little bit but it was awesome great day great city it is a great city I don't know if Pittsburgh really still does it have a negative perception I don't think so anymore but it seemed like it used to for sure but it's just beautiful and delightful yeah man Travis speak to that It's definitely interesting having, I've just been here about five years and coming in as, you know, a newcomer to the city when it's in uh, maybe maybe some of the better situations that it's found itself historically. You definitely hear stories from uh, longtime Yinzers uh, who who were born and bred here of back in the days when you couldn't see the sky because of all the... uh, the pollution. Um, fortunately, that's that's largely gone. It is a beautiful city. Uh, it's a very livable city. There's there's a lot of really good um, just features. Anything you want to do. If you're a sports person, there's plenty of that. If you're into you know the concert scene, then there's that. There's lots of because of the the history of some of the the steel and industry and banking. There's a lot of endowments here, so there's all sorts of really good museums and arts and culture. Um, so we we really enjoyed being here, uh, and we can say, I mean, to your earlier discussion, we also have one of the best venues uh, for the sport of bowling uh, that that I've ever been to, uh, and and I know from personal experience with Doug that that bowling is definitely a sport to him. Um, so we got to play together in the Arsenal Lanes in Lawrenceville and was an incredible kind of retro uh, 50s-ish bowling alley. That was pretty great. So I was in Pittsburgh for two, three days. And aside from my my favorite thing was hanging out with Travis and his family and all that. I don't know. But after that, it was Mr. Roger's statue. Awesome. Who I, I contend is the most famous Presbyterian pastor of all time. And on a whim, Travis and I got to go to this old school 50s bowling alley that he will tell you, when I walked in, I might have walked into the heavenly gates poured down in just a tiny spot. I did not expect. And I was absolutely enthralled. Right, Travis? That's not that's not even joking. That's not you. You were like a kid in a candy store. I don't think I've ever seen that much joy on a man's face. And wow. then Doug proceeded to uh, 
totally schooled me. Hey, uh, Doug, I don't know if you know this, but like I grew up at the bowling alley. Really? My, my uh, step grandma and granddad owned a bowling alley. Mm. And so um, my whole young, like from the age of, you know, basically once I was born almost to the about 15, I spent quite a bit of time at the bowling alley. With a week of practice, what would you say you could, what score could you hit? Well, I was like junior champ, uh, but that was, I did never learn how to throw a true hook. Like I threw like a straight curve. Um, so I could never be as good enough. Like I just wasn't consistent enough with a straight kind of curve. Like you got to throw a hook to get it in the pocket all the time. And I never really learned how to do that. So, but if I would have learned how to do that, maybe I could have been good. But I was, I would, I could bowl around a 200 game pretty, pretty regularly. I stink now, but. But it was fun growing up at a bowling alley. Like uh, I got to, my granddad would send me out to pick up trash and pay me like twenty bucks, and then I'd play video games, Defender and Galaga and Centipede, and then I'd go bowl for like three hours. So that's pretty so sweet. Fun. I think with the week of practice, I could get two twenty pretty consistently. And not only this, Justin, listen to this. We got to move on. This is not what we're here to talk about. But it was 80s, 90s night with a DJ. Awesome. Who's playing requests. Amazing. It wasn't yeah. even on a disc or anything. It was like, and he was also talking trash to us because Obviously. he would like go up and like, I'd give him a 20 bucks to play my song, skip over everybody. And then he would like talk smack to us. That's awesome. It, was so it, it didn't hurt that we we were probably two of the only people in the uh, alley that night that listened to those songs when they came out on the radio. That's true. Okay, Travis, um, how did you get in the PCA? Walk us into your Genesis story to become this PCA superhero that you are. How did it all start? How did it go to now? Um. Yeah, yeah. I mean, kind of had two journeys into the PCA, actually. Um, The first uh, journey in was uh, very gradual. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Uh, I didn't grow up in the faith. I became a Christian when I was 18 and kind of found myself providentially wandering through a lot of different um, Christian traditions and, and denominational camps, was saved in an Assemblies of God altar call, um, was uh, influenced in my young kind of new Christian phase by, uh, by folks in the vineyard movement, but they were a part of the reformed church of America. So there was some reformed influence there, but that church in particular was following after uh, the, the Willow Creek model at the time. So some of the, the seeker sensitive environment, and there were some really good things that came out of that. I mean, my, the evangelism of me, I would consider one of those. And then kind of gradually found myself in different different venues. I went off to a place called Reform Bible College, and that was largely connected to the Christian Reformed Church in, in Western Michigan. So I found myself a, as a, a, a non-Dutch person amongst a whole lot of Dutch people. I had to start calling myself Van Scotsma. Kind of the Christian Christian Reformed Church there. Um, I started serving, um, doing some volunteer ministry, then some paid ministry. Um, met my wife. Uh, she had also come out of the Reformed Church of America. Again, very Dutch influence in that part of the country. 
And when we got married, I decided that uh, we didn't want to be at either of the churches that we had been working and serving at. We wanted kind of a fresh start. And through the recommendation of a a professor, ended up in an OPC church, Orthodox Presbyterian Church, that was uh, very, very beneficial to us, very fruitful um, for our discipleship for a couple years. And we really ended up in the PCA through Covenant Seminary. Uh, When we got married, I, I knew that I had... I wanted or needed really to, to do theological education. I wasn't sure what that was leading to or where we were headed. And uh, out of all the, the seminaries I looked at and applied to, um, the ethos of covenant really attracted me at the time. Um, and I think still the emphasis was on developing pastor scholars and trying to find a balance in those things. And so we went to visit the school. And and actually one of the things that really that really attracted me to the school and you guys know me well enough to, to know why this would be attractive to me. It was, it was one of the only schools that told me that it might not be the school for me. That as we were interviewing and talking, they said like, Hey, there are lots of really good schools that offer lots of really good things. Here's what we offer. Uh, if that doesn't fit you, this might not be the place for you. And I, I just appreciated that honesty, the, the upfront, kind of awareness of their own limitations as well as the strengths. And so we ended up at, at Covenant. Um, and over the, the years there, we kind of gradually shifted into the PCA. Uh, we had uh, been attending and worshiping as associate members at a PCA church in St. Louis and eventually just joined us as full members. But then found ourselves, sorry, Doug, go ahead. Do you have a favorite professor at Covenant? Oh, you know, we're not supposed to play favorites. Um, I, I have lots of favorite professors. That's a really tough question. Um, I obviously have an affinity for uh, Jerem Bars, named our son after Jerem. I had the the, the privilege uh, and the honor of working with Jerem at the Schaefer Institute for several years and, and serving as his teaching assistant for probably like five or six years. So his influence on me was, was huge um, in ways that I probably don't even fully comprehend still. But uh, so many good professors, Jack Collins. I was asking about Jerem because you you named a son after Jerem, and that sort of is a a tip or an indicator. You didn't name a son Jack or Colin or Doriani. You name. I told your son just a month ago that I only know three Jerems, and he's one of them. And so, what did you love so much about Jerem? I don't know if everybody knows about Jerem, right? Oh man, that's. There's so much to love about Jerem. I think the two main things that I really appreciated about Jerem, one was just his gentleness and humility, and maybe appreciated that because it was so much not me, uh, and I saw in him um, characteristics that I really needed to be shaped by uh, and needed to be exposed to. So that even in his... um, if he had to strongly disagree with somebody, I mean, his gentleness and humility in that was just a, a huge model, uh, one that I, I, I still need to learn from. The other thing that really um, benefited me from Jerem's instruction was just his approach to apologetics and evangelism. Uh, at that point in my faith, I had kind of given up uh, on the Christian, what I thought was the Christian understanding of those things. I, I thought it was largely you know, a door-to-door salesman approach um, where we treated people like spiritual projects and had not been exposed greatly to the works of Schaefer and and others 
And so it had really been disheartened about the church's engagement with culture and then kind of hearing Jerem speak and teach on those things was, was new life um, and, and helped me to see, okay, I wasn't crazy for feeling some of those things. And, and actually in Jesus and throughout Scripture, we see a very different model. So after, uh, yeah, Jerem's awesome, man. Like, uh, I, have, I didn't have him as a professor because I went to a better seminary than y'all, but like, <laughs> um, he, he, every time anybody brings up his, his life, his work, it's always the same, just gentle and winsome and gracious, kind, uh, good adjectives to be known for, for sure. Uh, so eventually you ended up in New Zealand. How did that all take place? Yeah, well, I mean, the short version is I went to seminary with the, the, the typical immaturity of thinking I could tell God what I was going to do. So when we, we started at Covenant, I, I had kind of made a deal with God that it was great. We're going to get all this training and equipping, but I, I didn't want to raise money to do anything. I, I didn't want to go overseas, and I didn't want to be a pastor. <laughs> so really that that's I think why at the end of four years of seminary I ended up raising money to go overseas and be a pastor <laughs> um, we had some friends from New Zealand who were, were t- kind of retraining that covenant at the time that we were there we were involved uh, together at, at the church we were, we were in we were leading a small group together and it was really through their connection and friendship they thought we would be a good fit in New Zealand and, and began exploring that option. And so went over in 2006 for a three-month stint to kind of explore and, and be investigated, checked out, make sure that we were a good fit, it was a good fit, and then raised support for a couple of years and, and went over for about eight years wow. with a, a small Presbyterian denomination there, planting a church and, and doing theological education. And then in um, 2016, uh, through a through a random uh, collection of events and developments, it just became clear that it was we had kind of done what we were called to do. We had planted the church, and, and maybe it was time to, to come back. So after eight years on the field in New Zealand, we found ourselves back in the states, and and then re-entering the PCA. All right. So before we go there, so uh, what what town were you in in New Zealand? We are in a city called Auckland. Yeah. Auckland is the uh, the largest city in New Zealand. It's about 30% of the population lives there. Uh, very multicultural, very kind of uh, metropolitan, whatever you think of a, a global city, uh, but small by most standards. At the time we were there, I think it was 1.4 million. It's a very small country that most people live there. We planted a, a little church that uh, we all have in common here. The name was City Presbyterian Church. Um, and, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. still going today. Is that is Auckland kind of south central, like New Zealand? Uh, Auckland is, is in the, not the northern portion, but but the uppermost portion of the North Island. Okay. So if you look at the map at the North Island, there's a place where... The island really comes to an, an, an isthmus. There's a harbor yeah. on two sides. That's all. That's Auckland. Okay. Uh, rugby is great. Game, sport. Game or sport? Definitely a sport. Yeah, definitely. I played rugby in college. It's definitely. So a sport. did I. Uh, I did not. So yeah, one of our you know every all of our listeners knows this podcast is really a travel food. And sports podcasts. So, I mean, right. honestly, let's just be real. Yeah. So, you know, give us a little, like, you're the New Zealand 
travel promoter. Why, why is it a cool place? It looks like super ugly and uninteresting and I don't know. Hobbits running around everywhere. What's going on there? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting. I mean, we, you joke about that, but that was also part of what made, uh, mission there very difficult uh, it's obviously a very beautiful country uh, there's a ton to do if you go i mean you can be at the beach and skiing on the same day everything's really compacted you can uh, i mean yeah you can go to the alps uh, or you can go surfing uh, right there's there's everything there and it's usually within a couple hours of drive um it's beautiful it's gorgeous uh, we loved it uh, while we were there picked up the 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 hobby I'll call it a hobby, not a game or a sport of, of snorkeling. Um, one of the oldest marine reserves in the world was about an hour north of where we lived. Um, so, yeah, I mean, tons of tons of really interesting cultural features. Um, we loved it. And now, right, everybody who came to visit us wanted to go to Hobbiton. So I always had the privilege of taking people on a tour of, of Hobbiton, which is incredible. You know, I've had a, I've had a pint at the Green Dragon. Um, which is nice. Not many people can, can say that. That's awesome. But there, there's but three golf courses there that I want to play, like uh, Quarry Cliffs, Cape Kidnappers, and uh, Tara T, which are like three of like my all-timers that I want to go there and play someday. But that's it's a cool place, man. Yeah, so, I know nothing about golf. Travis, but, but we, I, we talked to Lloyd Kim and we were talking about MTW and you weren't officially with MTW, right? Cause you went through the actual denomination, but you were yeah. church planning in a foreign country. I mean, just, can you just tell our listeners what is, is that easy? Is that, what's it just like? Amazing. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's beautiful of course, but. It's a walk in the park, really. Uh, yeah. No. Actually I had the, I had the, the, uh, the honor of meeting Lloyd in New Zealand. Uh, when he came on as the director of MTW, that's where we first met. We we had chosen to go a different route. We we um, we were serving under the denomination there, and so had pursued ordination under the denomination just to kind of establish some of those connections. And no, definitely not easy. Um, you know, New Zealand kind of conservative estimates put the the population of Bible believing Christians at two percent or less of the population. So if you think about the general church structures, um, one of the big challenges is there's just no infrastructure to the church. There's no organizational strength to the church. Oftentimes that translates, you know, very practically. There's not a lot of people and there's not a lot of money. So it's hard to do things. Uh, What we found as missionaries there was that because it's such a beautiful place, everybody thinks of it as a holiday destination and or vacation destination and not a place that you would send missionaries to. Uh, but in the, the eight years that we were there, you know, I mean, everybody talks about post-Christian this and post-Christian that. Like one of the ways that it stood out to us in the eight years there, I think outside of church, I met three people who were believers um, or who even claimed to be like just nominal Christianity wasn't much of a thing there because the church was so small. Of course, the flip side of that was evangelism was much easier. Uh, people knew what they were and they knew what they weren't. And, and we would have people coming and, and gen, genuinely just exploring faith. Um, and we were kind of the unicorn. And so we could talk about why you know, the gospel does sound crazy, uh, but, but let's explore that and see if it's actually true. Yeah. That's good. Okay. We're going to take a break. We are 
Let's keep talking with Travis after the break. And then in the in-between, you can hear a little bit about what's going on. This is brought to you by Story Publishing and White Blackbird Books, of which Travis has one that we're going to ask him about. So stay tuned, and um, we'll see you here just in another 30 seconds or so. is a podcast brought to you by Story Publishing. We publish books with redemptive themes and we especially care about Jesus and his church. If you've always dreamed about publishing a book, we'd love to work with you on your project so we can help you get your thoughts out to the world. Publishing can be intimidating and frustrating, but we will guide you through it and make it an enjoyable process. If you're a pastor or parishioner, shoot us an email. You can find our contact info on the website, storied.pub. to IRPCA. We're talking to Travis Scott. He is willing to take anybody to Hobbiton anytime, anywhere. If you want to challenge him to rugby, he knows about it. Never played it. I played it. Justin has played it. Travis, is there a rugby club in Pittsburgh? I, I believe there is, yes. I have not played rugby. Uh, I could be the Haka. I'm more the the kind of all blacks Haka guy. You know, I, I'm yeah, a good front man, the hype man. Yeah, hype man. man. Okay, so well, I want to talk to you first, then, because we've sort of gotten all these. Now you're the pastor in Pittsburgh, and we talked about Pittsburgh, and I want to talk to you about your book, Faithful Doubt. It came out in let's say November 2020 ish, around in there. So tell us about the book, uh, what it's about, why we should buy it, why everyone should buy a million copies of it, et cetera. <laughs> yeah, a million copies would be great. Um, so Faithful Doubt, uh, it's not a commentary. I've, I've seen people describe it as a commentary, but it is a, a study in the book of Habakkuk. But it's, it's really an exploration of our doubts, our struggles, our questions about what God is up to or or what he seemingly isn't up to. And uh, as you look at the book of Habakkuk, you see that Habakkuk is just very open and honest and direct with God, even angry at God. So that's kind of the the content of it. The The reason for writing it for me um, pastorally is that helping people and helping, you know, just exploring my own doubts, helping other people explore their doubts and their questions has been a, a prominent part of, of my ministry. And what I have found oftentimes, particularly within the Christian community, is that once someone's a Christian for a certain period of time, or if they've grown up in the church, they feel like they have all these questions, but they live with this cognitive dissonance of not being able to be open and honest. They, they feel like it's somehow unspiritual to admit these uncertainties or admit these doubts. And yet what we see in, in Habakkuk and, and throughout Scripture is that 
the question of doubt is something that is going to rise in everybody's life. The issue is what are you going to do with it? Is it something you take to God or is it something you try to walk with on your own? So that was really the the reason for writing it of just wanting wanting to have something to be able to hand people if they're wrestling with that. And, and particularly something that's short and concise. There are tons of better books on on doubt and faith, uh, but I find often that, that they're, they're things that aren't accessible to most of the people that I would have in, in the pews at our church. So wanting to write something that was short and direct, um, but hopefully helpful. You start off with a pretty powerful story that I've referenced and, and even just sent that part. And, you know, whether they get the rest of the book or not, I hope they will. But tell us the sort of beginning dealio of the book. Yeah, I mean, the introduction basically is me talking about what a failure I was helping my own wife with some doubts. Um, and it's set in New Zealand uh, when we were there for our original three-month trip. Um, my wife was wrestling through some different things faith-wise and, and had some some pretty big questions she was answering. And, and as a, a typical young guy fresh out of seminary, I, I answered all that with really technical, uh, impatient data type answers, not listening to her heart in the matter, not trying to actually understand or care for where she was at. And, and so really kind of failed my wife in that. And then, you know, God brought her through that season. Um, and, and she has, has helped me be someone who has learned how to better wrestle with, with questions, honestly. Yeah, it's really powerful. Great whole reason. I mean, it's a really amazing. <clears throat> yeah, Habakkuk's a great book, especially for our times. Man, it's just a good. It's, it's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, you also have uh, some other writing pieces that you've started, and you've started a, we- a or yeah, I mean, really, you're the engine behind starting a, a website called Simper Reft. And so, um, tell us about kind of why you did that and what it's intended to do, and yeah, so Semper Ref uh, is a newer site. Uh, it's not just me. We, we have an editorial team with a couple other guys on there. Um, really, I mean, the impetus behind it, um, I know, you know, we're trying to talk about the good in the PCA on this, this podcast. The impetus behind it was as we kind of looked at the, the denominational tensions and, and conflicts and disagreements that are happening right now, I just realized there wasn't one place um, that I felt I could direct people to. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, if, if people in my church were coming to me and, and asking about the, the challenges that the denominations facing, it, it felt like most of the online presence was, was very one-sided um, and, and maybe more critical. Um, so we were wanting to not that we don't have articles that we publish that address those things or, or critical responses, but something that maybe just offered a different perspective um, and maybe a broader perspective on some of the issues at hand, but also some some just generally positive content uh, in trying to to point people to to good things as we think about the need for the church to to practice semper reformando to be always reforming according to the word of God and, and thinking about particularly in this challenging time when you know, so much is just rattling the church at large and causing realignments and, and refocusing. Like, what does it mean for us to pursue faithful mission and polity? 
That's great. And it's really good. Uh, by the way, I think you've done an amazing job in the short time that it's been around, uh, of kind of setting an ethos for both like what you're producing, but also what your hope is for the PCA. And I think that's an ethos that's good and beautiful and true and something to be celebrated, um, which we're, we're glad to, to pub on this, on the pod here. Semperref.org or semperref.com? Uh, .org. Okay. And, uh, and I, excuse me, props to you guys. You, you started some of that thinking with, with this podcast of, of us wanting to present a more kind of big picture, positive spin. Um, so, you know, we're thankful to the, the, the instigation that you've given on some of that, but then also just thankful for, for several people who have allowed us to republish some of their things or publish um, other, other articles of theirs that have just been helpful in, in presenting a better picture of, of what we can look for. Okay, Travis, so we're, we're heading toward Justin's last question and then your advice to the PCA and then our other piece. So this is like the fourth to last thing. I don't think that has a name. And uh, so we're going to do a little rapid fire. Okay. Me, Justin, you know, so you're going to answer these questions uh, just quickly off the top of your head. Ben Roethlisberger. Is it is a guy? <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I, I chuckle every time I listen to you guys' podcast. I think, man, that I, I, I I'm not into football. I'm not. In, I'm not a sports guy. So I, I get lost in those. You know, Ben Roethlisberger. He, he's good. You know, like my right, quarterback, right? You guys know more than I do. Yes, he he's a delightful answer. It's a delightful answer. Which favorite place in Pittsburgh? Favorite place in Pittsburgh, uh, apart from my my living room, would be the uh, Bulldog Pub. Bulldog Pub, uh, neighborhood pub. I, I spend most. Uh, that's where I'll be heading after this to to have a nice beer and work on my sermon and um, enjoy the the folks Great there. Place. Turner's Teas. Tur- well, Turner's Dairy. Uh, which makes Turner's tea. Turner's is a local Pittsburgh legend, um, making delicious beverages and, and other products for Connect that to Bulldog pub. Oh, well, uh, Jesse, one of the owners of the Bulldog, one of the, one of the, the staff there has a, a tattoo of a Turner's tea carton on his arm. Uh, and what, what Doug is referring to is the opportunity we had to bring him a, 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 a carton of tea signed by Walt Turner, the, the founder of, of Turner's. That was pretty awesome. It was. Yeah, I think he, he really enjoyed that. What's uh, the, the hill, the, the highest hill in Pittsburgh that you overlook everything? You've, you've been up there. You like a, you ever go up there just to sit and contemplate the universe? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of that in Pittsburgh. I mean, the, the topography here is pretty crazy. It, it's all, hills and gorges and rivers. And, um, I, I think, I mean, the incline Washington or Duquesne incline is on the South side of the city and it goes up Mount Washington. And it's just a beautiful view of the skyline of Pittsburgh. But I think more than that, my, my favorite view is actually, uh, coming back from, from the Southern part of the city or the airport, you go through a tunnel through Mount Washington and everything's enclosed and you get to the end of the tunnel and, and it just, basically puts you out 
right at the river. And so the skyline just appears out of nowhere. Uh, yeah, it's pretty incredible. I love that hill, man. That hill's that Washington Mount Mount Washington. Hill. I think you get around there because you're like going up a hill, going on a one way street. Oh, there's a river. There's a park. It's like it is like yeah, impossible. It's not on a grid. We just say no, it's not on a grid. The saying in Pittsburgh is, "You can't get there from here." Yeah, that's good. And if you practice for a week, what would you guess your bowling score would be? If I practice for a year, I might be able to do it uh, 70 to 90 average. <laughs> if you practice golf for a week, what would be your golf score? I'm sitting in the cart having a beer. <laughs> smart. It's a smart call, actually. So right. uh, last, last, question. last question. So uh, favorite, uh, this kind of goes along with rapid fire, but uh, favorite uh, New Zealand food. Is it like seafood? Is it like, what is it there? Like, what yeah, well, that, that was actually rough. I'm allergic to a lot of seafood. So wow. I've been eight years of people telling me how much I was missing. You haven't played rugby. You, you don't like the Steelers or, or sports pretty much at all. I'm pretty right. Like seafood, like, rough. Got a, got a killer right. beard going, though. It's not that I don't like seafood. I, I, I tend to find it problematic when something makes you vomit and break out in hives. Like, you know, ah. maybe I'd like it. I don't like the uh, the after effects. Um, my my favorite New Zealand. Well, I, to go real kiwi, my favorite is is the flat white. Um, it's a it's a coffee drink. Beautiful, wonderful. Um, and I think I, I miss most food wise is probably a good, um, they do, they do like hand pies, but not, not like what Americans think of as pies, but like yeah. savory pies with meat yeah. and cheese. So I'd love like walking to my office on a, a cold rainy winter morning and stopping at the local bakery to get a, a, a bacon and egg pie mm. uh, and eating that on the way to the office. I, I miss that a lot. Advice for the PCA, man. Um, <laughs> we're closing, right? We can't, we can't say much. I, I think, you know, maybe this is a, a bit ironic or, or paradoxical if, for somebody who's been involved in starting a new website, but maybe my, I think maybe the best advice for the PCA or folks interested in the PCA is just don't believe everything you read online. Um, that's not where you're going to find out what the PCA is about. Um, maybe, maybe don't listen to the people who are most angry. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not just the PCA. I mean, I find that to be the truth in congregational life and local ministry um, that, you know, we, we need deeper conversations. We, we need to, to hear uh, both sides. Um, and so maybe, maybe don't listen to the first case presented to you. And that includes mine. Like if you, if you read an article of mine, I'd encourage you to read things I link to and people I disagree with. Um, you know, we're certainly not infallible either, but uh, maybe that's, that's my advice is be careful of the voices that sound like they're infallible. I think uh, one of the things that you do on the website uh, is confession Thursday. Is that right? Thursday. Yeah. Confession Thursday. Yeah. I think that that's uh sets a great tone and trajectory for what mm-hmm. you're trying to do. And maybe that's the place to start for all of us when it comes to being in the PCA is um, Lloyd Kim talked a lot a couple weeks ago, 
couple hours ago and you know our day but he talked about humility and uh there's just a piece there the, the necessary need for humility that we all have so on the way with that travis uh, and i think that's that is really and maybe this isn't advice about the pca but something we, I, I think you're absolutely right justin what we we all to remember uh, it's the famous chesterton quote you know Responding to the letter, what's wrong with the world? And he, he wrote, dear sirs, me mm-hmm. or I am like, I think that's, that'd be helpful in the PCA as well. Remember that the, there's a lot of great things that God has and is, and hopefully will be doing in the PCA. But as we consider the problems of the PCA, it's not one particular tribe or faction uh, that runs through all of our hearts. And that's the point of the confession Thursday is, I'm a part of the problem of the PCA. Uh, and I, I need to continue to grow in grace and in humility um, so that I'm, I'm not as much of a problem. Amen. Amen. Travis, uh, so one of the things we're doing this season is we're uh, debating other PCA. We're trying to figure out if we are the best PCA because we sort of declared ourselves to be. And so... The PCA um, in the A? Yeah, the best PCA in the A. There are other PCAs and other A's. So uh, today we're going to discuss, and, and let me just give you the categories real quick. Did you give me think about it as I throw it out there? Is it interesting to me? Is it interesting to others? Would I join? Does it have a good logo and does it have a good website? And, uh, and so you get to influence our numbers. We're going to give each one of those sort of a one to 10 category score, adding up to 50, and then that adds up to 100. You don't get to add yours, but you can influence ours. And so today we are... You're already lost, Doug. Yeah, it's confusing. Just re-listen to the other ones and you'll get it. All right. Okay, People's Choice Awards. <laughs> okay. People's Choice Awards is a PCA acronymed name is it interesting to you is it interesting to others would i join does it have a good logo does it have a good website now you may not be able to get the logo and website so you're sort of influencing the other parts right first yeah i I guess i'd have to say it's definitely interesting to me I'm, I'm one of those guys who, who, if it's truly the people's choice, I'm more interested. I think like Rotten Tomatoes, I always want to know audience score, not critic score. Uh, so, so I am interested in the people's choice. And I, th- I think others are as well. I think uh, particularly in this time, people are, are sick of the professional opinion and want to voice their own. So if it's truly the people's choice, yeah, I think I'd be interested and others would be. Uh, I didn't know that you could join that. Um, but I guess I would join. Uh, you may not be able to join that. Maybe you, I don't know if you can join. You could vote. So that's joining, right? There you go. Yeah, you I would vote. join my opinion in. What choice would you make for the people? Well, what are we choosing? Huh? I don't know. I don't. Pop culture. Pop culture. Um, uh, well, it, uh, pop culture, and it's not even very pop, but I'd say the best band in the world, Murder by Death. Uh, going tomorrow night to the, their show. It's the reschedule of the show they had to cancel during COVID. I was supposed to go on my birthday in 2020. Um, and they are, uh, yeah, they're, they're simply the best band in the world. So that, that would be my even choice. better than Adelaide? 
Uh, <laughs> Adili? Adili? She just had a special out. And I heard Taylor Swift had a new thingy mabobber. Hey, I'm sure they're they're great in their own way, but uh they're they're murder, murder by choice, is that what you said? <laughs> uh no, that's murder. Uh, this is that's a different institution. Um people's choice, the people's choice awards for album of the year for 2021. So the war the awards are happening December the seventh. You can't vote anymore, but we'll take a, just our votes right here. What are the options? All right, here's your options for we'll just do an album of the year. We could do on People's Choice website, you can do like all like song and artists and male and female. You can do movies and TV. They do all of it. But our album of the year, Certified Lover Boy by Drake, Culture 3 by Migos, Happier Than Ever, Billie, Billie Eilish, Injustice, Justin Bieber, Montero, Little Nas, Planet, Her, Doja Cat, Sour, Olivia Rodrigo, and Starcrossed, Casey Musgraves. What's your vote, Travis Scott? My vote is that I feel really old right now because uh, I, I, I recognize a few of those names. I haven't heard any of the albums, but of the artists that I know, I would go Billie Eilish. I knew you would. I was not, but that was not a surprise to me. And Doug <laughs> is going to go uh, Casey Musgrave. 100%. 100%. And uh, 100%. I'm going to go, what am I going to go, Doug? Uh, Bieber. You're, you're you a believer. Be a Bieber fan. I'm going to Bieber. That's exactly I thought right. so. Yeah, that's right. Although Olivia Rodrigo, like her song, you know, like I'm pretty down with, down with her. Good. That's the, I, I'm 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 liking uh, People's Choice Awards, Doug. Although uh, not really, don't really have a logo other than People's Choice Awards website. Awesome interest. I'm interested. I think other people are interested. So I'm going to give this one a pretty good score. Wow. Yeah. Like what? Yeah. Like it's up there with Porsche Club, I think. Uh, like forty-three. Wow. I, I, I just, I, I might have to retract my opinion though, Justin, as I've had more time to think, I'm just remembering people's choices are sometimes the stupidest things. What was that? That was, there was that poll a couple of years ago somewhere in Britain where they named the, some ship Bodie McBoatface. Maybe I'm not as keen on people's choice. So they have a pop podcast choice. So top pop popular pop podcast. And so armchair expert, Dax, Dax Shepard's podcast, anything goes, Emma Chamberlain, call her daddy. Not sure what that is. Uh, Chicks in the office, Conan O'Brien needs a friend. Couple of things with Sean and Andrew. Smartless and why won't you date me with Nicole Byer. And of course, iHeartPCA is uh, the, the last one mentioned there. So we always want to reach out to the people that are run these things and, you know, the people of the people's choice awards. If you want to come out on our podcast and talk about if you're the better PCA or we're the better PCA, it might help your case. If I heart PCA was on this, just saying. Yeah, totally, uh, so Justin, totally. you gave it a 43. Yeah. I tend to think that things like this are dumb. I like when Travis flipped his opinion around, I, I have a very mixed view on the cultural agreement of everyone, but that, that sounds like elitist even to say. It is. You're so elitist. 
<laughs> yeah, so I'm going to give it – they don't have a logo. The website is great because it's – you're voting. I'm going to I'm gonna bump it down to a 35 because people are interested. I'm not that interested. Would I join? I don't know what joining is on this. So, yeah, it's sort of – You vote. You, you would vote. If you're a joiner, you would vote on that, yeah. I think that that's – you're you know, one like, of the people. Really good things don't get supported, and really dumb things do get supported. Hey, man, your Casey Musgraves album is there. But like, Murder by Death isn't. So yeah. I, I, I have to retract my whole statement. Maybe there's a, is, it, is it like death metal, Travis? No, everybody thinks that. It's like alt country, rockabilly. Wow. Wow. Go, like, it's, I don't think they're going to have a category for that. No, there is no category for murder by death. And they like channel the spirit of Johnny Cash as well. Do you know them? I mean, I've met them at their shows. Would they want to put a song on our podcast? Um, we could ask. Let's ask them. You're going tomorrow night. I'm going tomorrow night. Get a Will high, high dance. Mosh. You know, uh, it's not mosh music. I mean, you gotta, it's like rockabilly with a cello. Huh. So will you dance? It defies categories. I will. Uh, I will move around vigorously, uh, and I will be singing loudly okay. and embarrassing my wife. Is it like Mumford and Sons kind of? Um, it would be like Mumford and Sons if Mumford, Mumford and Sons was better. Oh, shots fired! <laughs> no, it's 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 very different. You just got to go listen. It's uh, going to. And and one of the best things Lyle Love It. They've been closer to a Lyle Love It. Okay. Uh, some of the inspirations would be similar. And what is it called again? Because I'm gonna tell one of my elders is loves Lyle Love It. I'm gonna tell him about this. It's very different than Lyle Love It, but okay. you could see some similar themes. It, it's murder by death. Murder by death. Their, their latest death. album is called The Other Shore. Uh, and it's it's a thematic album, like it's like a space opera. Oh. Space opera. Here's the deal about iHeartPCA. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> you're going to get is going to be awesome. And um, everyone should know about Travis Scott and his book, Faithful Doubt. Everyone should purchase a copy for themselves and to give away. Uh, people should click on to Semper Ref and get more informed and travis even said he links to other places so that's a good place to start to get to other spots and uh, can i ask another question doc have you listened have you listened to travis scott (laughs) you know what i i have not man god i don't know if that's just willful, willful like resistance I think it is. I've gone way too long for you guys. Last Travis Scott comment about Travis Scott is we were in Auckland when he was like first coming out and he was supposed to come there on tour. So put up all these concert posters throughout the city, but there was no picture. It just said Travis Scott at such and such venue on such and such a date. So my phone for like a month was just blowing up of people texting me being like, what is this? You're in concert? But no, I, I've not listened to him. I, I keep meaning to because I, I figure I should, 
My biggest regret, though, is I never went and got the Travis Scott meal at McDonald's. I, I thought I might be able to show my ID and get a free one. Right. Um, but that would require me to eat McDonald's. And it, it just go to a concert to get a T-shirt so you can wear it around. Your own, like, Travis Scott T-shirt I think would be amazing. I got to do something. Yeah. I feel less of a man. All right, Doug. I heart PCA. Whatever. <laughs> Great to talk to you, Travis. We're so you're such a great pastor. We love you. You already know that. Everybody else knows that too already by this point. So keep doing the good work. Yeah, thank you guys too. Like this podcast, share it around. Travis Scott, we want to talk to you. All the Travis Scotts. Amen. All at the same time. Peace out. See you Later. later. And smart, but I don't wanna be. Mastering life is just important for me. I wish I had a buzz in the denominational bike. There are some over twos to which I say sucking. I know everybody says, don't ask him by happiness. But they could buy me some holes. He could buy me the chairs of pulley. He could buy me a Yeti one pen iced down with some silver bullet. Yeah, I was they said that I can buy everything. Well, maybe so. But they could buy me some bows. They call me Grace Boy, Keller I side before motor. But I could change if I had another thousand bullets. I keep hearing the dirt as the root of all evil And you can't feed a camel through the eye of a needle I'm sure that's probably true But it still sounds pretty cool Cause they could buy me some boots They could buy me a church to build A blog or post or group Find the silver bullet yeah, I know what they say, politics can buy everything, maybe so. But it could buy me some boats, boats. I float asleep as low with a beer, a hair behind all the pussy is getting really near. Well, they will get me a one new crispy deal. And it could buy me some boats. It could buy me a platform to pull it. He could buy me a Facebook group to expose all progressive bullets. Yeah, I know what they say that I can buy everything. Maybe so. But we've got a boots. Yeah, I know what they say. Grace can mean what it means. But maybe so. But we've got a boots. We got a